Let's turn in God's word to Romans 15. There is an aside from Paul's main argument in verse 14, even though it certainly connects to his main argument. And that's the aside we want to look at today with God's help, Romans 15, verse 14. Let's read verses 7 through 21. Romans 15, verses 7 through 21. Page 1,128 in your pew Bibles, page 1128. was division, conflict between Jews and Gentiles and the Roman church over opinions, secondary matters. He gives us command, therefore welcome, verse 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised, to the Jews, to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name and again it is said rejoice O Gentiles with his people and again praise the Lord all you Gentiles and let all the peoples extol him and again Isaiah says the root of Jesse will come even he who arises to rule the Gentiles in him will the Gentiles hope May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. Verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. This is God's word. May he bless us by it and encourage us in our faith and service. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, as I said last week, my Calvinist ears are uneasy with two verses in this section. The one we looked at last week, in Christ I have reason to be proud of my work for God. When Paul has said in Romans 3 that all pride or boasting are excluded. Yes, they're excluded when it comes to trying to use our works to earn God's favor. But 
when we work for the gospel, when we work Christ's working in us, and when we work as an offering to God, we have reason to be proud of our work for God. You brother elders and deacons who are retiring, I trust just for a short season, it's for a little break, you have reason to be proud of your work for God. Offered as a fragrant offering to Jesus Christ out of zeal for the gospel. May your labors follow you. May they continue to bear fruit. The second verse that makes me nervous is verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness. Speaking to the whole church. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Wait, don't you remember Romans 3? No one is righteous, no, not one. No one does good, not even one. But now he says to the church at Rome, I am satisfied about you that you yourselves are full of goodness. You yourselves. It's like he's pointing. Yeah, you. I I mean, you. I mean you. You can see him pointing. You yourselves are full of goodness. Hmm. Well, it's the truth. It's the word of God. He died to make us good. We sang that, 347. You are full of goodness, people of God. We want to look at two things here. Christ's filling. Christ's calling, secondly. Christ's filling. Christ's calling. I want to tell you a story about Romans 15, verse 14. About 50 years ago, there was a Presbyterian pastor in the United States, Pastor J. Adams, wrote a book called Competent to Counsel. In 1970, he wrote it. Competent to Counsel. His main concern was that the church had outsourced Christian counseling to the professionals. And worse than that, to secular professionals. And he wanted to see Christian counseling return to the body of Christ. And to see ordinary believers counseling ordinary believers. And walking together, walking alongside each other through troubles and pains and temptations and failures. So he wanted to take counseling off the professional's couch into the houses of the people of God. Because Christians are competent to counsel one another. And this theme verse for the book Competent to Counsel, which sort of introduced a revolution in Christian counseling, was Romans 15, verse 14. And here's how he translated it. Romans 15, 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and competent to counsel one another. That's how he translated able to instruct one another. Competent to counsel one another. Ordinary Christians, through faith in Jesus and by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, are filled with goodness. You are full of goodness. And filled with knowledge to be competent to counsel one another. To be able to instruct one another. This is what Paul says to the Romans. A church where there's lots of trouble. 
Lots of conflict. Jews and Gentiles pointing the finger at each other, at loggerheads with one another, fighting over diets and days and secondary opinions. And we read in the next verse, he's written to them very boldly about these things. He's, he's shown all through the book of Romans, Jews and Gentiles are alike under sin. You guys were the same in sin. And Jews and Gentiles alike are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. We're saved in the same way. And Jews and Gentiles are both elect of God and being gathered by the Spirit into one body, into one church, one family, one household of God. That's been in the background the whole way. And then he nails the problem in Romans 14 and 15. And he tells them to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you to the glory of God. But now here in verse 14, there's an amazing state, statement of encouragement. And he says to the church at Rome, you know, you, you, you've, you've got these conflicts and you've got the weak and the strong and the weak are despising or judging the strong and the strong are despising the weak and, and it's all over stuff that doesn't really matter. Christ has accepted you both. And he says to them, I want you to know that you're full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. In the midst of all that he's been saying boldly in terms of challenging them, And saying, hey, why are you guys treating each other this way? Well, what's going on here? He's saying, I want you to know that you have what it takes to fix your problems. Here's a word of encouragement. You've got in Christ what it takes. The elders do. The deacons do. The pastor does. And all God's people you yourselves have got what it takes to solve these problems in your midst. And he doesn't just say, you've got it. He says, I'm satisfied about you. I myself am satisfied. I'm confident in you. I know you've got it. I know you've got it. You're Full of goodness. Now, we're not comfortable to say this about myself. I, now, dear Providence, I want you to know that I'm full of goodness. And you would say, hmm. we, we don't need to say that about ourselves. Jesus says that about you, and, and that's good enough. And we can encourage one another with those same words. I, I want you to know, brother, sister, when you feel like you've got nothing to offer, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? Have you taken your evil, bad self in which there's nothing righteous and in which you can do no good work and in which there's nothing good? Have you brought that to the foot of the cross? 
and said to Jesus, save me from myself, wash away my sin, give me a new heart, make me good, fill me with your spirit, then you can say too, you are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and you have what it takes to build the body of Christ, to encourage and exhort and help one another and counsel one another and instruct one another. Now, I know Paul says in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who does good, not one. But remember, he's dealing with us according to our nature, our unconverted nature, lost in sin. That's Romans 3, but you've got to read Romans 4 and 5 and 6 and 7 and 8 and realize that believers are those who have been justified by faith in Jesus. All your sins have been cleared from the record. And you're right with God because God has credited Jesus' perfect righteousness to your account. And not only that, as believers, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the Spirit, Christ lives in you and you have become a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. You're sanctified. You've been brought from death to life. A new nature lives in you now. You're used to be a slave to sin. Now you're a slave to righteousness. You used to be a lover of what is evil. Now you're a lover of what is good. Now you hate sin. You love doing righteousness. In Christ, believers are full of goodness. You are full of goodness. Every believer. Everyone. And goodness means uprightness of heart and life, kindness, loving to do what is right and good. It's the same thing that Paul says to the Thessalonians when he says at one spot, by God's power you have every desire to do what is good. Full of goodness does not mean you've become sinless. But as Paul says it to the Thessalonians, by God's power you have every desire to do what is good. It, doesn't that live in you, believer? Doesn't live in you, pastor, elders, deacons, and all God's people? Here's the reality for the Christian. The old sin nature still lives in us, Romans 7. Still tempting us not to do what is good. Tempting us to despise and hurt one another and to quarrel over secondary matters and try to beat one another up so that I can prove myself right in small things. So that I make too big of a deal of opinions. The sin nature in me tempts me to pull away from one another and be standoffish, stand off at a distance from you and, and kind of look down at you and judge you and say, I'm not shaking hands with you. That, that's, that's the sin nature. But remember, the old nature no longer defines us, believer, nor does it control us. And now we've got something better living in us by the Spirit of Christ. Goodness. And the challenge is to live up to that better thing. To put on what we have in Christ. To fan that into flame, as Paul says to Timothy. We read that in Romans 13, 14 a few weeks ago. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ. 
You have him. You have his goodness. It's yours. It's in your closet. Put him on. And don't make plans to gratify the desires of the flesh. So that is the better thing we've got living in us. In the new nature. In Christ. By the spirit. Goodness. Remember that's what Paul says in Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Wow. What a wardrobe. What fruit. When you have the spirit, this is what fills you. And through the spirit, Christ himself gets planted in you and grows. So you have his holy character living within you. Christ in us, the hope of glory, says Paul. And so we're filled with his goodness and we have what it takes within ourselves by grace to do better than to quarrel with our brethren with whom we disagree on secondary matters. We have what it takes. Anybody can start a fight. Any fool can do that over secondary matters. But you don't have to. And that's what Paul's saying here. I'm confident of better. That you have all the goodness you need and the knowledge you need to know better and to do better and to choose the better way that honors Christ and builds his body You have the gift of goodness, doing good to, accepting, embracing those with whom you differ on opinions. Uh, so the question is, are you ready and willing to use this gift, dear brothers and sisters? Rather than insisting on keeping the fight going. That's, that's Paul's challenge. And his confidence, his encouragement. You're filled with goodness, and as part of that goodness... That's how the sentence works in the Greek. Full of goodness, filled with knowledge. And it's interesting that the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter 1, when he's talking about growing in your faith, he says to add to your faith these seven things, and he starts with add to your faith goodness and add to goodness knowledge. He starts with those two, goodness and knowledge. And the knowledge here means Understanding how scripture applies specifically to the matter that's getting in the way between us. To deal with one another with understanding. And to be able to talk to one another in an understanding way even when we disagree. Rather than quarrel over diets and days. We can deal in a knowledgeable way faithful, true-to-Scripture way with one another. So by faith in Jesus, brothers and sisters, you have all the goodness you need to reach out to your brothers and sisters and all the knowledge you need, understand them and talk through things together and build a better relationship. Again, the Bible's not saying you have to agree on all things when it comes to opinions, religious opinions. But you have to work and live and serve together and welcome one another as the body of Christ. And brothers, that's true for elders and deacons as well. 
As for all the believers in the body, you are full of goodness. Do you accept that? You're filled with knowledge to be able to do your work. Not all by yourself. That knowledge has to be honed. It's to be built up. We need to talk to one another. We need to study the scriptures. We need to study good books. And as Paul says again to Timothy, fan that into flame. But those are your gifts. You have them. Making you sufficient for your work in the body of Christ. You're full of goodness. Filled with knowledge. To be able to instruct one another. Competent to counsel. It's true for the whole body of Christ. And also true for the office bearers. And then it's important to remember the whole congregation has the calling, not just the elders and the deacons, to be bodybuilders by using the gift of goodness and knowledge to walk alongside brothers and sisters and work toward building a better relationship building up the body. It's everybody's gift and everybody's calling. And we want to look at that secondly, Christ's calling to us. I'm satisfied about you, my brothers, that you ourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. Able to instruct one another is actually a gift. At the same time, it suggests a calling. You are competent to counsel one another. You're able to instruct one another. You're able to serve one another. So let's go for it. And here's one of the dozens of one another's that fill the church in the New Testament. Able to instruct one another. Again, true, not only of the pastor, deacons, and elders, but every, every believer. You're able, if you use faithfully the gifts the Spirit has given you, And that includes honing these gifts through study and prayer. You are able to instruct one another. One another to know the truth and live and walk in that truth. Now the Bible recognizes that even though we have these gifts, sometimes we're not in a spot where we're ready to use them. The Bible says, if anyone is caught in a trespass, Galatians 6, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. And it mentions that right after the fruit of the spirit. You who are spiritual means you who are putting on those gifts that you have in the spirit and growing in that fruit. And everyone, in order to fulfill that calling, must be Seeking the filling of the Spirit more and more and the growing in the fruit of the Spirit so that if anyone is caught in a trespass, you too might be that spiritual person that can restore that one caught in a trespass in a spirit of gentleness. Everyone's called to grow in the fruit of the Spirit so that they can go and instruct others to walk with the Lord. And again, here's another Example the Lord gives us. You know, if somebody has a speck in his eye, a brother has a speck in his eye, you've got to go to him. You've got to go to that sister and help her remove that speck so she can see more clearly. 
But not if you've got a log in your own eye. Remove that first, repent of your own sin first, and then you're spiritually ready. So it's your calling, but to make sure that we're spiritually ready, walking faithfully with the Lord, living a life of repentance and faith ourselves. But it is our calling, each one. We each one, as believers, have the gift of goodness, full of goodness and knowledge. And then the calling to use that to instruct one another. Now that Greek word for instruct is a rich word. It assumes that something is out of place with a brother or sister. Something's out of place. And you are to go to that person. To help that person either by And the word instruct can be translated either by warning them or correcting them or admonishing them or exhorting them or instructing them or all of the above. The idea is going to that person in love and gentleness, walking alongside that person to help them walk in the way of the Lord. Why? Because I'm your brother. Christ died for you and for me. We're one family. We owe it to each other for Christ's sake. Example of this is found in Hebrews 10. Not the same word used, but the same idea. You know, in Hebrews 10, don't give up assembling yourself. Give up the assembling of yourselves together, as some are in the habit of doing. But exhort instruct, encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. You see somebody staying away from church? Starting to withdraw? Brother, sister, it's your business. She's your sister. He's your brother. Encourage him. Exhort him. Ask if there's something the matter. See what is keeping that person on the edge and try through love prayer visiting tell him how much you miss him or her and with a spirit of understanding knowledge goodness gentleness or here's another example if you see two people in conflict and they're not working it out be a peacemaker admonish them to work it out before it grows and becomes a poison in the congregation. It's everybody's business. Instruct one another. So you see these gifts of goodness filling everyone. Then that calling to instruct one another, belonging to everyone. Now, careful not to abuse this verse. You're all full of goodness filled with knowledge to instruct one another. Some have used this to reject all professional, specially trained counseling and ministry. No, that ignores other passages that speak of special gifts given by the Spirit for service within the church. Some have special gifts for this. Still, the gifts that some have in special measure, everybody has in some measure. And in some measure, everyone has this calling. Don't just leave it. To the guy or the lady in the office out there in some other place. Even they will admit the Christian counselor. You know, it takes a community. I'm not a one-stop shop. 
It takes a community. It takes all the people of God getting around you, loving you, helping you, encouraging you, speaking into your life, walking with one another. It takes shepherds, elders, deacons. It takes all God's people. My brothers, you're full of goodness, filled with knowledge and able to instruct one another. So let us all by studying the scripture and by praying in the spirit for growth to go out and serve the body of Christ by seeking to straight out, straighten out what is crooked, mend what is broken, unite what is divided, encourage what is discouraged. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone. See to it that no one pays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. And Matthew Henry writes, a good understanding of one another and a good will toward one another would soon put an end to strife. Well, dear Brother elders and deacons, as you step forward into your offices, may this verse be your constant friend and encouragement. You're full of goodness. You're full of knowledge. You're competent to counsel one another in the congregation in Christ. You're competent to correct and admonish one another, encourage one another in the congregation. You have this by faith. You have this because you're joined to Christ. You have this by the Holy Spirit who lives within you. So don't be afraid then to take up your task with much zeal and diligence, with humility, with love and faithfulness. Because we're tempted to allow the flesh to dominate and say, I can't do this because I'm a sinner. That That sounds quite reformed. I can't do this because I'm a sinner. Well, it's not fully reformed. It's always true of us as we are in the flesh, Romans 7. But we have the spirit, Romans 8, and we can say, I can do this because the spirit lives in me. I'm in Christ. His goodness and knowledge are mine. And make me able to instruct, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So these men need our prayers, brothers and sisters. They need our prayers that God will assure them of this truth always, encourage them in their work, and use them for building up the body of Christ. So that our faith in Christ, our unity in the gospel, may grow and we may together with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome one another as Christ has welcomed us to the glory of God. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we praise you for Romans 15, verse 14. Maybe it's a truth we don't emphasize enough. We repent of that, Lord. It's a truth that we have a hard time believing. We repent of that too, Lord. Help us, everyone in the congregation, pastor, elders, deacons, and all the brothers and sisters in Christ to take hold of this verse in faith to believe in you, Jesus. This is what you do to us.
and to live this out and truly make us into a counseling community of love and humility. Lord, help us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.